Hey, everybody. Thank you so very much for uh, swinging by once again this week and hanging out with us. Season two, 2022, off to a fast start. I'm excited about our guest today. Uh, he's he's a long-time industry vet. He's been around. He's on a mission. He's a guy that makes standards matter, and I can't wait to talk about that. He's a dad. The guy's looking for the next big wave. You can see it in the background. There's a wave in his future every morning, I'm sure of it. But every day he wakes up to make this planet better, and I think that's really, to me, what makes him very, very special. So please welcome the Chief Merchandising Offer, Sir, from Thrive Market, Jeremiah McElwee. Welcome, my brother. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, Todd. It's great to be here and good to virtually talk to everyone out there. I love it, man. I, I'm just, you know, I love this platform and I love what we've been able to create because it's about uplifting and it's about putting conversations and stories and journeys and paths that people have uh, in front of people to get them to recognize that there's a lot going on in this world that in our busy lives, we don't necessarily lift our heads up to see. And that's what I love about doing what we're doing, introducing people to new ideas and concepts and what's going on in here. And I got to tell you, Thrive Market is a baller brand doing some big things, you know, creating a massive change in the retail community. And I'm super excited that you're here to share it with us today. So before we get going, I want to give everybody a little bit of uh, back history to you because, you, you know, you, this isn't your first rodeo. This is not, you know, you're, you're an entrepreneur by heart, I'm sure, uh, but you come from a stable of people and upbringing that I just want to bring attention to because, dang, I'm pretty sure you're proud of it. I'm proud of it for you. So if you wouldn't mind, just give a little journey about, you know, uh, how you got to thrive and where you're at. Yeah, well, thanks. It's uh, how long is this filming again? Good, you take all the time you <laughs> want. It's like when you get up close to the 30-year mark, you know, you have way too many stories. So I, uh, I learned by my kids. Except when you, yeah, but when you get over 30, you have a lot of stories you forget. So just be, be grateful you remember them all. There you go. <laughs> I, mean, it's, uh, I judge by my kids' reactions, like how many times they've heard the same story. But, uh, but no, I mean, it's, it's interesting because I um, did not come from a family background of natural and organic products. I actually came from a very um, kind of classic American family, I guess you could say, and sure. single mom, um, ate a lot of fast food, uh, subsequently had a ton of health challenges growing up, um, right. specifically like irritable bowel syndrome, digestive stuff, and um, was pretty miserable, to be honest. Um, it's funny, people I grew up with, often go, really? Like, I never would have known that. I've always been kind of a, a quintessential optimist. So um, I often don't let on when something's really bothering me, but I grew up with all kinds of health issues and ended up moving up to Boston and happened upon Harnett's Homeopathy and Body Care, which was wow. Harnett's venture after he sold Bread and Circus to Whole Foods Market and yeah. circa 93-ish. And so just happened to need a job, saw a help wanted sign, went in and got this job working at an organic juice bar, which to be honest with you, just I thought was totally insane. And was like, <laughs> well, if people will drink the carrot juice, I'll make it for them. I really like, I'm from Jersey, like whatever it takes to <laughs> cash, like sure. Um, but it turned out that I had like lots of time to read and read books like Prescriptions for Nutritional Healing, Earl yeah. Vitamin Bible, uh, Linda Rector Page's Healthy Healing, all of the legacy, um, a lot of Norman Walker and Bernard Jensen. I mean, stuff right like, on. You know, the old school um, kind of godfathers and godmothers of the industry, and and uh, just started cross cross referencing 
kind of the health issues I was facing and sure. learning about eating healthy and things that they didn't teach you in the school in, in the eighties, like, uh, you know, and so, and there's no internet by the way, obviously. So, um, so with that, I literally dove in and, and uh, you kind of alluded to it, but I'm a really passionate person. Really, when I do something, I do it. And so I basically went vegetarian, started eating fresh juice and um, taking green foods, taking probiotics, changing my diet from processed fast food, which my, my wonderful single mother would, you know, trying to get food in me because I was really thin right. from my health challenges. We would just go to the McDonald's drive-thru, you know, half the time. And that's what I would eat. That's what she would get for me. And it was cheap. It was easy. It was convenient. She was working overtime. All the things were perfect. But um, I had to kind of unlearn those behaviors and learn about healthy eating. Like, sure. And had this eureka moment of, of good health and started actually feeling better and feeling healthier and gaining weight. As you can see, I'm no longer a string bean, but I was, uh, as they called, called you back then growing up, but, um, I fell in love along the way. And that's a long winded way of saying, like, I fell in love. I was a convert. Um, so many of the books we read about natural wellness and natural living, there's that kind of origin story of, of their own health transformation. And right. I, lived it. I lived it in spades and I kind of, I literally dropped out of college to continue making juice and uh, decided I wanted to evangelize this and really um, get this information and these products and this way of living out to as many people as I could and um, ended up moving out to Boulder, opened the first Whole Foods Market store in Boulder, which was super exciting. And I really didn't go there for that purpose. I went there because you had to go to Boulder if you wanted to be in this industry back, back in the early 90s. And, uh, and it turned out Whole Foods happened to be opening a store there. So that began this basically 16-year journey uh, working with Whole Foods Market, first in the stores. Um, I switched sides and went over to the brand and marketing management side and worked on the right. label brands. Then I came back to the global office at Whole Foods and was the executive global coordinator for health and beauty for about seven years and uh, lived through the Wild Oats merger. And yeah. like you said, I made so many incredible friendships and relationships and um, and then left Whole Foods in 2013, ended up meeting Nick Green and Gennar Lovelace. Um, Gennar and I had many mutual friends. We often joke that we were probably at the same parties many times at Expo and such, but right. never actually met. And when we did, it was it was incredible to hear about this concept of Thrive Market and kind of this 21st century food cooperative that they were trying to build. And um, at the time, my wife actually, I told her all about it. And she said, this is like made for you. You need to do yeah. that. And then, and so um, that was seven plus years ago. Um, I signed a 30 day consulting agreement with Nick and Gennar. And uh, here I am seven years here later. You are. Um, and we'll talk extensively, I'm sure, about Thrive and, and what we've been able to build. But for me personally, it's been just this whirlwind, incredible journey. I, I'm a big believer in business karma and a big believer in doing things the right way and working in integrity. And it leads to good, good outcomes and um, both for the earth, for people. Um, yeah. I love your what you say right here on the screen, which is organic people and purpose. And that's something that's resonated for me. 
from the moment that the light bulb went off, that what I thought I knew growing up in Jersey wasn't the gospel. It was, Mm -hmm. I had a lot more to learn. Um, I feel like I've been learning ever since, but the one strong lesson has always been take care of people, take care of planet, take care of animals, take care of the earth and happen. And, and the more we can do that, uh, we can all live in a better world. And, and uh, again, maybe I'm the quintessential optimist, but I'm a big believer in that. And the last thing I'll say is like the, the friendships um, you mentioned oh, yeah. at the top and just the connectivity. And I tell my team at thrive and I've told the groups of folks I've been fortunate to work with at thrive over the last seven years, a lot of which are younger in and first jobs and first yeah. time in this industry I tell them when you go to Expo West or when you go to industry events, make friends because these are some of the most amazing, heart-driven, mission-driven people you're ever going to meet in any area of the world um, mm-hmm. in the natural and organic products community. Hundred percent, it's a blessing for sure. Oh, I hundred percent agree. And could be, you know, this is really a morals and values industry, right? This is an industry that touches people at a very deep level, right? And I say this all the time. People selling paper towels only wish they could get a taste of how great it is to touch people at the level we're allowed to do in this field. And, you know, the world has changed in the past two years. You know, we don't have to get into detail. Like everybody's pretty hip to the big news story, right? In the last two years. But wellness and health and and empowering yourself to heal yourself, to to, um, take care of yourself, to prevent illness, to do different things, I believe is something that we have got to continue to preach and to get that message across. And to your point, you know, driving through to get your food is not in your best long-term interest as it is to sit down and make your food. And and both of them take, in my opinion, pretty much the same damn amount of effort, right? In a lot of ways. And I think it's just so important that we elevate and talk about it. And I love what you guys are all about. And you're right, we're going to get deep in the weeds because I, I one of the things I try to do is, is, is figure out what it is about businesses and people that come on my broadcast that strike my curiosity, things that I want to know more about because it's like I connect with that message, but I want to go deeper. And so, yeah, you're right. We're going to get a lot of questions. I'm coming hard at you this morning, brother. I'm coming hard at you. Love it. You know, so, let, so let's get into it. Let's just give everybody, you know, kind of the basic, you know, 411. What is Thrive Market? Yeah. I mean, it's, it, I mentioned a little bit earlier, but to me, the way I always sum it up, especially talking to folks who've done this or been in the trade for a while is it, it is like the 21st century food cooperative and um, yeah. Nick and R had this idea that um, what if we created an environment that was a membership club kind of model um, that meets a natural and organic marketplace and by people joining and signing up we're able to lower the prices um, deliver products I love that you have our thrive box in, the, in your background there thank you but delivered to your door. So the fundamental social economic mission of the company has always been, how do we democratize access? How do we broaden access to all Americans, regardless of ge- geography, regardless of socioeconomic status? How do we do that? Because as you know, all too well, historically, it's if you don't have a Whole Foods market or you don't have a natural product store in your community, it's been really challenging to get these products. And yeah. there's often, you know, the commercialization of the food industry, the marketing driven angles of, of CPG have really limited consumer choices uh, historically. And so it's been really challenging. I mean, I know just from even growing up in New Jersey, which is not you know, the deep South or somewhere isolated, there's right. still not 
healthy options when I was growing up. There wasn't a health food store. There wasn't, you know, um, organic produce. There, there just wasn't access. So this idea that through this membership model, we also donate a membership for every member that joins. We give away a free membership to a teacher, military veteran, first responder, right. family. Um, we have vehicles to, and we also work with NGAs um, to get those free memberships out to communities in need and people who need them. Um, we also have a Thrive Gives mission arm that works right. in areas that have suffered through natural disasters or just um, impoverished areas. We do a lot of work um, with all kinds of NGOs and uh, really community outreach around how do we get people groceries um, with our COVID-19 relief fund. We raised over $1.5 million, for example, just to get people groceries and, and especially with people losing their jobs and layoffs and things like that. So what I've really appreciated in addition to just our core mission, which is broadening access to healthier products, is just this idea that we're not stopping there. We're going to continue right. the outreach and continue to build upon from a, from a philanthropic standpoint, um, what the abundance we've been able to have, spreading that out and offering even more. And I think the other thing I'll say that's made it really powerful, and you, you said at the, stop, at the top standards, um, my whole career has been about working uh, to elevate standards and elevate the level of quality. And when we say that at Thrive, we mean not just the finished product that our members have access to, but also the ripple effect that it has in supply chains. So on people, on planet, on farms, in communities that we source products from, how are those communities being affected? How are they being right. paid? How is the food being grown or the products, how are the products being produced? Making sure there's human violations, making sure everything is truly ethically sourced. And it's something that I have a, I have a saying that my team's probably tired of hearing, which is just, we set out to solve a problem, which is accessibility. What we do not want to do is create a series of other problems that externalize costs just so we can solve the one problem. One problem. That yeah. have to stand and yeah. to solve. And um, it's, so it's core to everything we do. And we like to think that we're the most conscious, most thought out grocer in the US. We're also the largest B Corp certified. Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I got all these, all these things we're going to talk about. I'm going to get deep on that too. You know, one thing you said, and I and I think that I think it's really important to put out is that you know there are more food deserts in this country than you think there are. Um, there's more places would have limited access. I mean, yes, can you go into you know a grocery store and get you know an organic ketchup? I don't know, I'm picking something that's pie in the sky. Yeah, probably, but is that the best option of all the organic? I mean, what is the process of that? When you take a look at some of the reports that come out, especially in the milk industry, about some of these different labeled milks and what, and you start to pull back the onion about it, even though it's organically grown, there's some things about those that just doesn't make them that overly appealing in a lot of in a lot of ways. And so I appreciate the fact that you are putting you know food into a food desert. I live in a food desert. I mean, I, you know, it, 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 when I look at the shopping options that we have, it's pretty limited. It's not a one, you know, there is not one store that can satisfy what we need as a family or what we want to put into our household as a family. It's a four-store trip just to try to piecemeal together. And we still have to go offline or online, rather not offline, online um, to try to bring more of that into because we just don't have that option. So that's what I love about your the, the ability that you guys have to pivot to help people pivot inside their own communities and uplift. 
I love what the mission is about. I love the fact that you're working so diligently to try to uplift these conversations. And to me, and I say this all the time, and I'll die on this mountain, we need to continue these conversations around the positive cost of food. What you are investing in as a company is a positive cost of food, should be celebrated, should be respected, and needs to be appreciated by consumers when they start to go, oh, what if, how if, you know, all these other things, they start to him and ha. But I don't think necessarily we always see the big picture or the long-term net gain, whether it be agriculture technology, whether it be medicine technology, whatever the case may be, those are investments we have to make, especially if we're going down a really positive line. One of the things that I love about you guys, and I want to get deeper into standards, I'm going to side that bar that for a second, because I want to frame up standards first going down this trail. But you guys are, you know, you have a, what you call a quality manifesto. You have a, you know, you, you talk about why that's important to you. Can you touch on that a little bit before I drag you, drag you to home base on standards? This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by Maryfield. Better for you brands. Always rewarding. Find out how you can save time and be rewarded as you shop with Maryfield.com. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is, you know, it's funny. We um, were the first, in, 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 in my knowledge, I mean, you can always fact check and prove me wrong, I'm sure, but we were the largest and first national retailer to be fully non-GMO. And that was a yeah. stake put in the ground when we launched the company. And, and in fairness, you know, we had the advantage of we were launching from scratch. We could dictate what we sell and what we don't sell, whereas legacy retailers kind of inherited some of these products and they have re- revenue challenges and things that are associated with, with discontinuing uh, products that have GMOs. We didn't have that uh, burden. So for us, we were able to set a very, very high bar. And subsequently, we just carried that through. I mean, we didn't stop with GMOs. We um, are now up to, if you, if you count ingredients for different categories, we're up to over 750 ingredients we don't allow. And some of that's redundant because they're not allowed in sure. pet. They're not allowed in food. They're not allowed in, in personal right. care. But it's something that we have a whole team that reviews every ingredient. Um, they work closely with our category managers, with our product innovators for our own brand products. And we're scrutinizing everything. And I'll tell you, one of my favorite things, I'm, it's both gives me a little twinkle in my eye, but also horrifies me if I'm being honest, is we hear every day when we're talking to suppliers and we're talking to manufacturers, co-manufacturers, producers, why are you guys asking me this question? No one's ever asked us for this information before. No one's ever asked us to quantify where we're sourcing X, Y, and Z or how that's processed, or no one's ever asked us for an ingredient flowchart on these additives that you're asking about or um and again we're both like well we're different at thrive we want to know and our members want to know but also yeah. we know a lot of these these producers and manufacturers are working with some pretty big players and uh we're going what do you mean like they have multi-million dollar food safety and qa teams um how are they not asking you those questions so it just is a reminder to us of the responsibility we have to our members and the level of expectation our members have it's a moving target as you know like it's yeah for our standards where they are now every day we're learning i think the other beautiful part about our model is we are all digital so um, mm-hmm. i grew up working in health food stores in my career and i wish that I could have known um, the level of information and have the level of interaction with every member, every customer 
that I had. Um, as you as you know, when you work in a health food store or a natural product store, you get a 10 second micro interaction and usually yeah. people don't really tell you what they're thinking or what they're looking for. At Thrive, we have a member services team that interacts with our members. Our members are very vocal with reviews. We can see search not found data. We see their comments on social media. We have so much access to what our members are thinking and feeling and wondering that it really dictates. And we learn so much on the standard side about the types of questions people are asking and the types of ingredients they're concerned about. And then we can mobilize our QA and food safety team to look into deeper issues that, you know, maybe we were aware of, but we weren't aware of the level of tipping point that it was hitting. um, So it's been really dynamic. And I say all that to say, you know, somebody joining for the first time may find a product that they're like, why do they sell that if their standards are so high? And it's like, ask us, we'll tell you what we know. And if you know something different and can point us to great science, we're all ears. We, we want to know. And uh, we don't view it as we know everything and we're there. We arrived. It's a moving target that we have to continue to up level. And um, so it's, and I, I would say too, the other thing is, Ingredient standards are the obvious, right? Like we can all look at ingredients, we can research them, we can find MSDS sheets, we can look at all kinds of information. What we're really interested in beyond that is how are these products being grown, raised, produced at the farm level? What's the labor standards? What's the country of origin? How are the people being treated along the supply chain? Where are costs being externalized? Is somebody suffering? Is there an animal suffering? Is there a chemical or an ingredient that's maybe hidden, um, used in processing that we weren't aware of? Uh, right. How do we how do we get to that nugget? How do we help correct that? And um, the other thing I would say too is when we do find them, which we do almost every day. We're very passionate about being inclusive and figuring out solutions. Um, we don't we don't ban countries of origin. We don't ban certain groups. Or uh, we like to say, like, tell us, tell us why you're choosing to use this methodology. Here's something we've learned as an alternative. Would you be open to that? If if not, we can't work with you, but we want to work with you. We want to support the work you are doing. So how do we get right. together? Um, right. Good. So. I love that. Well, you know. We've spent so much time in this country dumbing down our food with the mantra of let's just continue making food cheap. And to me, cheap has a hidden cost and it's healthcare and it's lack of longevity and it is not being able to fight the last two years of a pandemic. You know, we don't do much to talk about what we should be doing at home to keep us out of the hospital, no matter what the case may be. Uh, it's unfortunate. I think if the government was in the, you know, had, had, had their, a, a gym, a place to work out on every street corner, we'd have a whole different narrative going in this country, but we don't. And when it comes to our food, it is really the one thing that connects this planet. Food, you know, sunshine, water, three things we all got to have to survive, right, that are around the globe. I mean, it's just, tell me another way it works. I don't think that it does. And so when I see somebody like Thrive, to your, and you made a point about, you know, you're a moving target. You're a moving target because you're the first guy in line, right? It's really easy to hit the first guy in line uh, if you want to throw stones, it's really hard to hit the guy that's number eight. And the guy that's number eight, never going to get to number seven because you don't get hit by the stone. So I give you a lot of props for putting your morals and values on your sleeve and standing behind him and being willing to answer the questions as to why and being willing to pivot and change. 
Because if we don't elevate these conversations, if we don't elevate these brands that are making positive difference into not only the planet, but in our lives every day, we are doing a disservice, in my opinion, as a global citizen for the long term of this planet's health. It makes no freaking sense to me. I'll argue that point all day long because in my mind, I don't see how you win that argument. Because I just don't see the compel- I don't see the other side having a, comp- a really compelling argument. So when I think about what you guys do, and I think about your background, and and and, and we've got some connectivity from the past, but we have mutual friends. I mean, we were sharing we were sharing earlier. Uh, you know, I, I you come out of the Margaret Wittenberg stables of somebody that I think you know, as I shared with you before, stand in her shadow is just good enough, right? That's how great of a person I believe she is. She's a blessing beyond belief. But then I look back at our at our friend. And another entrepreneur that's kicking some butt out there is Joe Dixon and with Maryfield. And you guys set the bar out there to have these conversations. And, and that's what I love about it. Whether you want to get in the weeds on, you know, some of these things that have, you know, 15 letter words with nine consonants in it, right? It's the conversation that you're creating that I think that other people in the retail space, as well as the consumer space, must stop, pause, and reflect upon that these are the conversations that we need to have going forward. So let me just first off just commend you, A. And then my second question I want to throw at you, because I want to go to standards, <clears throat> because Joe held my hand on this. Joe opened my eyes to this. Margaret as well. But really, Joe made me stop and realize that I needed to get more invested in understanding what that is. So could you just give everybody the 411 on what standards really are and why they matter and why we should really start to take that more seriously? Yeah, I mean, definitely. First, I'll echo what you said about Margaret, like just such a hero in the industry and and so um, humble that, you know, you would never know. And I think unsung in that in that respect. So and uh, she knows how I feel about her, too. But no doubt. um, But I mean, I think, you know, one thing I will say, and I promise I'll answer your question. But one thing I I will say is. I think you triggered for me bringing up Margaret and, and Joe and thinking about Jody Vileco too, who's, who's yeah. a gatekeeper at Whole Foods. And, um, but you triggered for me, my background, which is retail purchasing brand management and the responsibility we have from this chair. Um, and this ties back to, to your question. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy, quote unquote, to do a buyer job, to do a retailer job and just look at the business and say, well, this is just category management and cost of goods. And I'm just going to hammer my vendors to get more margin, lower price points, you know, blah, blah, blah. Here's the, here's the formula. We all know the formula. It's purchasing is not rocket science, right? Um, It's a mathematical equation. You have to do it. I have to do it. Like being honest. However, you also have this great, in my opinion, responsibility to be the first in line and to raise the bar and to say, hey, I love your product. Why are you doing it this way though? Your product tastes good, but why isn't it organic? Why isn't why are you using, why are you supporting the use of agrochemicals? Why are you supporting the use of GMOs? Is it to lower price? Because that's not a good enough reason. Because to your oh. point, those externalized costs just ripple. So yeah. Um, I it clicked for me at an early, early age, and I feel really fortunate um, to have run up, run into Jody and Joe and, and Margaret and um, really 
learning about what standards means. And, you know, simply put, it's a list of ingredients that you ban from products and doing that scientific research to determine these ingredients and have negative health effects. One thing that I'm really big on is the precautionary principle. Just mm-hmm. being like, hey, if the science is mixed on an ingredient or it's inconclusive and we and it sometimes shows negative health effects, then like, is it absolutely necessary to the product? Probably not. Like nine times out of 10. And the other thing that always fascinates me and, and it's become even more apparent through our work at Thrive Market is how much, and this is the human trait, in my opinion, not just unique to food industry, but we're very much a, this is how it's always been. So this is how it needs to be now. And this is how we've always made this product. And it always included these additives. So, you know, why am I going to reinvent the wheel? I'll just keep adding that same, uh, those same ingredients to our recipe. And I can't tell you how many times we've now launched uh, close to 800 of our own brand products at Thrive Market. And yeah. I can't tell you through that process how many times we've looked at a label, we've looked at a leading brand, or we've looked at the, the category and we've just said, why? Like, why is that ingredient in this product? Um, why are you using this ingredient? And when we ask that question, we're usually met with, well, it's always been in there. It's, it, it's a good preservative or it's a good you know, emulsifier, whatever the reason may be. And then we ask, well, have you ever tried to do without that ingredient? And usually we're met with like a inquisitive look. Right. Why are you asking me that? <laughs> and then we say like, cause you know, we don't know that we need gums in our coconut milk, or we don't know that we need added sugar in our ketchup, you know, good organic tomatoes are pretty sweet. Um, same with our pasta sauces, same with, you know, so why can we try it without that? Can you do a run for us without these additives? And um, I will tell you almost unilaterally, they come back with better flavor, um, just better taste profile, better mouthfeel. And, and you're kind of going, well, wow really just did that because that's how we've always made these products and right. there's really no reason to add citric acid to that formula like they're really that that wasn't necessary and some of these ingredients aren't bad by the way but just why like why can't we do whole foods all whole foods ingredients and not have chemical additives and so right. for me standards in the simplest form just means really researching every ingredient on a label and understanding why it belongs or doesn't belong in a product. And then from there, you inherently will learn, actually, this ingredient is quite harmful or, or should be banned from our list of ingredients that we allow. Or oh, yeah. well, it's inert, but it's not necessary. So why contribute to the chemical load of your body and give your liver something else to process when you can take yeah. it out and just have a whole food clean ingredient? Product. Well, well it, it's like some of the recommendations you see on, on chemicals and this and that, and they use the word that it's probably not, you know, harmful. Probably. These are the word probably. Right. I love, I got in this conversation with Ken Cook at Environmental Working Group on a broadcast. We had this exact same conversation about the word probably. Like, how do you not read that and go, probably? That's right. the most disturbing. That, to me, when right. I read that, it's the most disturbing word in the moment in the English language. Right. It's the word probably associated to a chemical. But what I love about what you, what you just brought up about your private label, and I think it's important to remember, you know, private label really is a, a value proposition in the retail sector. It is not an uplift, necessarily an uplift proposition. It's about putting their name behind something and that price is generally cheaper 
right? And it's not necessarily better. And you're the opposite about that. And I'm not even going to get the price part of it. But your private label is based really on the fact that this is good product, first and foremost. That's what's important to us is that we know what is in this, not the value proposition of trying to drive that price down, put the cruise to the, to the grower, find that extra penny that they can put in their pocket, you know, et cetera. Tell, you know, I, I, the, the growers in this world today, and the farmers in this world today, they can't take the word, find more efficiencies any longer, right? It just, it doesn't work any longer, right? We've got to start having these positive conversations. I love what you guys are doing with your private label program. And to see it at that kind of a level, what'd you say, 750? Yeah, we're close to 800. I mean, we're on Jesus. the way. I and mean, then we'll have... And that's huge. By the end of next year, we'll probably have close to 900. And uh, But to your point, it's been this labor of love. And yeah. you know, again, back to my past, I started this journey at Whole Foods with private label and just realizing, and, and you you kind of said it, but for us at Thrive, it, it's essential to our mission because... You know, the reality is, is like brands might be mad at me right now, but the reality is, is like we all know you need a marketing and sales budget if you're launching a brand. You, you just have to have that. And that goes into your finished product pricing to the consumer. And so at Thrive, we've always been about creating more price value for our members so that more sure. people can come to the market and more people can buy healthier products. And so it's a really interesting dynamic though. And, you know, I'm kind of a retail nerd, so I could get way down the rabbit hole on this, but yeah. it's, it's funny because I often tell our category managers and our product innovators, you know, they come from other, we have such a seasoned, incredible team and they make my life so easy. And they're also invested in the missions that we adhere to, but they often come from other backgrounds. They've worked for other retailers and, you know, they'll come in kind of saying, well, like this sounds just like my old job. We're just asking for more price or we're asking for more margin or whatever. And I always kind of say like, yes, that's part of the game is, is being profitable. We need to be profitable to sustain a business. Sure. The difference is when you're driven by a social mission and you're driven by inclusivity, it's you're doing it with your member and our, especially our lower economic families um, in mind or economically challenged families. So it's this different kind of feeling at the end of the day, like it's not driving price down to make more margin to, you know, to grow to some crazy astronomical business size and, and you know, have some IPO event and you know, make billions of dollars. That's never been the mission. And so you're saying like private label back to that or own brand. How do we launch products, remove layers of cost without, and you touched on it a second ago, without telling the farmer or the grower or the producer, sorry, you need to make less money because we need to sell it for this price. And, you know, like just removing those layers of cost, we can deliver a superior quality product that's sourced completely ethically and direct trade or, or certified fair trade or uh, equivalent as well as regenerative organic, as well as right. working with these farmers on a relationship level to say like, hey, you're organic now, what are you doing to look at biodiversity? Or what are you doing to increase you know, your regenerative, your carbon footprint, your carbon sequestration in your soil? How are you yeah. treating your water? Um, and these are all questions that we ask, not to have a gotcha moment, not to say, well, no, now we know, we're not gonna source from you. We asked to say like, hey, we're going to be here next year when you harvest. We're going to be here in five right. years when you produce. So how do we partner to improve these areas of your farm and your 
community and how do we partner on projects to enhance your community and private brand, own brand gives us such an, an opportunity to do that. Um, and I'll tell you like one other thing, it's like a secret, yeah. right? Which is when you're an e-commerce site and you don't have brick and mortar retail stores and you don't have distributors in the way and you don't have all these layers of costs or layers of complication, it's way easier for me to pick up the phone, talk to a cacao farmer in Colombia or Peru or a coffee grower and say, hey, I understand you're experiencing some climate change or you're experiencing some dramatic weather. Don't worry, we'll be here when you come out of it. Like, yeah, you sell out of that product. When will you be able to produce more? How can we partner together to figure out the supply chain challenge you're having? And we don't have a shelf. We don't have a, a 400 stores or whatever to make sure there's not a gap. We can just turn it off on the site or turn it back mm-hmm. on. We can communicate directly with our customers and tell them, okay, guys, sorry, here's what happened. We're going to be back in stock in January. Or Yeah. So it's, it's a Whatever. beautiful thing. Well, it's not, but it, it's what we need to be doing if we want to continue to uplift and get food back to where it needs to be. We need to hold food up, not keep pushing food down. Um, it's not going to win the day. And, you know, and, and, and it leads me to my next question. I want to get into a little bit about ethical trade standards and put that underneath kind of this banner that we're going under right now, because I look at some of these things and, and, and I think hear from people uh, about um, workers and, and, and way people or things are going this and that. And it oftentimes surprises me how we look at farm workers and we look at the farm as, um, almost a second-class citizen in some ways. You know, we just don't have this appreciation for the fact that if we don't invest in the farms and the labor that we have in the farm sector, where is the next round going to come from? Where's the third generation going to Because at the pace that we're going, we're not adding more farmers quick enough, right? It's not happening. We're losing more than we're adding. And it really becomes very concerning to me that we get into this mass, you know, keep it, you know, the big get bigger, the food gets worse, it gets, you know, it's not going to win the day. Nobody's going to survive long term on a 79 cent box of garbage come from the grocery store. It ain't going to happen. I mean, that that just I don't know who's waking up every going day going, yeah, let's do that. It's not going to work. And so I want to touch a little bit, if you wouldn't mind, because I know you're passionate about this and I am, too. Um, talk to me a little bit about ethical standards and just elaborate and share with me. Yeah, I mean, um, one thing I would just add, too, is all the way back to the soil. Right. And the micro. Yeah. I mean, so, but yeah, it, you know what, again, I, maybe it's a blessing and a curse, but I've, from the time I was very young, I've never been able to disassociate from, from, you know, different uh, challenges or inputs that are happening. And so Uh for me, and and probably too, coming from a not wealthy family, a hardworking kind of blue collar you know, I would say lower middle class, kind of watching people work really hard for not a lot of pay my whole life growing up. Um, when I did finally get into CPG, it really was impossible for me to separate the two and impossible for me to not think, wait, people are making these products. People have jobs. There are people farming these ingredients. And yeah, why are we not to your point a second ago, why are we not making sure everybody in this equation is taken care of? And, you know, there's different economic strata and there's different levels of 
of, you know, all of that, but people should be paid fairly and be paid well enough that they can have abundance and create a future for themselves, for their family, for future generations. And I think you, you alluded to it and I'll drive it home even more. It's like food is one of the essential elements of life. We can't live without it. So um, it's similar to, you know, teacher salaries. And when we talk about that and you go, well, this is one of the most important jobs in the world. We need to do a better job. And, and farmers are you know, literally the heroes of our food. And, and how do we yeah. make sure? And so I'll tell you, like, over the years, um, I've been fortunate. Another colleague at Whole Foods, Errol Schweitzer, who I was fortunate enough to work with, and he and I worked on the whole trade guarantee standards and revamping that. And through that process, learned literally about every fair trade auditor uh, yeah. at the time, known to man, and and what their process was. And um, you know, many of them have evolved. Some of them are no longer happening. Um, but through that you get this deep awareness of how products are made around the planet, how humans that are making these products are being treated and how humans that are growing this food are being paid and being treated. And you look at it and say, like, we can change this. This does not have to be this way. The first step is awareness. And the first step mm -hmm. is um, doing less harm. And, you know, it's similar to that precautionary principle of for health only for your fellow humans. And so for us at Thrive, we've looked at this model of, okay, if we're sourcing any products from a developing country, um, not the US, not Europe, not Canada, anywhere else in the world, we need verification and we need, we need to follow that product all the way back to where it's being sourced from, whether it's specifically on our own brand, but even if it's a third party brand, we're asking those questions. Like, can you tell us about, do you have any ethical trade audits? How are people being paid? We know there's a challenge with this ingredient or, or the part of the world this ingredient's coming from. Show us your documentation, show us your audit to, to prove that people are being treated ethically, being paid fairly, and that there's no externalizing of costs happening at the expense of human beings. And right. so it's been really, I will tell you on a, on a personal thrive level, it's been very, very rewarding because when we started out seven years ago, we were very much in the game of selling the highest quality third-party branded source products. Sure. We're small. And like, we didn't really have the power to, to make those phone calls and say, we're not selling your product. You need to change. And, um, and as we've grown in scale and as we've accelerated our growth, we've been right. really able to have deeper conversations and people have a lot more faith that we, you know, we are who we say we are and we're going to be here for the long term. And that creates an environment of change, um, which, you know, again, um, I think like you alluded to it as well, the true costs of these products and these foods and um, yeah. If you're doing it with consciousness and you're aware, it doesn't have to be the way it is. Um, it doesn't have to be so burdensome to the farmers and the communities. The last thing I'll say is like, we've been really fortunate to work on a lot, moving from fair trade to direct trade so that right. we can really form those bonds with farmers. We could really understand the geographic region they're growing in and really understand 
the amount of money they actually need. Um, and we've heard from farmers in Peru and Colombia and here in the United States that we've been able to partner with. It's the same conversation, like everywhere you go, and, and you mentioned it, yeah. it's, it's, we're a third generation family farm. We're a fourth generation family farm. This will probably be the last generation. Generation, yeah. Can't figure this out and we can't make the economics work and our kids are over it. They want to go to the city. They don't want to do this anymore. And we're trying to figure out how to make it work um, to keep this going. And the two things that have been, I mean, literally I've sat with farmers and they have tears in their eyes have been direct trade. So working with a direct-to-consumer model that we can say, we'll buy from you, we'll put it on the site, we'll sell it, you're getting all this money that otherwise is usually lost in the the chain. And the other one has been regenerative organic um, because what's been amazing about that has just been this idea that, yes, you have your cash crop, you have the main reason we're talking right now, which is, you know, potatoes or rice or beans or whatever it may be. However, what other complementary crops to increase biodiversity will work in your region, your geographic region, and also could be secondary cash crops. And if you grow Mm -hmm. barley there, we'll take that barley and make barley flour out of it, or we'll connect with another supplier we know that needs that ingredient and you can sell that to them. And you suddenly have this whole additional revenue stream that you didn't anticipate because you had one cash crop for your whole right. farm's life. And now you're able to broaden that out. And oh, by the way, sequester more carbon, create yeah. a richer environment around your farm. So it's not a monocrop. And also kids are kind of excited about regenerative organic and the future that that could bring for the planet. And um, so it's it's been really fun to not only have those conversations with farmers, but a lot of them have their kids in the room and you see their teenage son or daughter just kind of perk up and lean in a little bit. Like, this sounds cool. Like, like, what are we doing here? Uh, This doesn't sound like my dad talking about farming anymore. It sounds like something I want to be part of. And uh, so that's super exciting. And for sure. Yeah, but, but but we've got to get these conversations going. That's what I love about your platform, right? It's you know your your platform is about product. Don't get me wrong, but your platform is about changing conversation. Let's be honest. I mean, that's that's one of the things I think is so cool about it is that that opportunity for that change is 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 got a place to live. And you're right. You know, when I look at regenerative ag, you know, I look at it from my lens of 35 plus years ago. You know, I reminds me very much of the very very beginnings of the organic movement, right? And everybody said you can't do it, you're not going to do it. Can you scale? Can you blind? You know, I mean, I heard all that. Right? I had the door closed. I, I had more doors closed on me in this organic movement probably anyway. And because nobody gave a shit about it back then. But now they seem to be listening. And I think the regen is going to be the same thing. Is it scalable? Probably. Is it going to be a challenge? Yes. But what's going to come from it? is a rekindling of an interest in farming. It's going to become something from it is going to help propel it forward. No different than what the organic movement has done. There's things that have come from the very beginning. Some of these the, these guys that laid that trail that are everybody's using today. So it, to me, it's just like we have to invest in these conversations. These Is it going to be the end all be all? Maybe, maybe not. But if we don't start to lean into it, Right. No different than your standards, no different than having these conversations about uh, quality of product and better health and all these things. If we don't start to lean into that, we're just screwing ourselves long term. I mean, your kids are going to suffer. My kids are going to suffer. Why? 
Yeah. Because we have the power. I mean, it's it, we have the power to make change. We have to have we have to have the want and passion and desire. And so I appreciate you sharing from your heart like you did and why that's so important. I mean, I just think it's yeah. huge. And it's just the other ironic part or funny part to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I find humor in in strange places, but it's just there's no downside. There's no downside. Exactly. To increasing biodiversity and having cleaner water and you know having good grazing rotations and if you're using animals in your farm like there's literally no downside so it's it's a fascinating dilemma when people are resistant to yeah. it and um like i i always say like i've never heard anyone say like i wish there were more pesticides in my food like i oh, wish yeah. there were, you know i mean you're going wait why are you arguing you're you're arguing against positive change like correct you know, it's uh, it's what it, it, it when you say that it reminds me. I know I can rem- I can remember getting phone calls, and I've had more than one of these in my career where people will call and say, "I can taste the pesticides in the food." And it's like, how, how do you know? I mean, I mean, I get that, but I think, well, what do you know a pesticide tastes like? I mean, that's really kind of a big statement that you're making. It's like, you know, but people are you know people in some ways are, are afraid of the food system because they don't necessarily understand they're looking you know in a lot of ways and I, and I don't want to come from a, a bad place when I say this but there's a lot of sheep out there looking for shepherds right to help them make better choices and to help guide them to understand that the choice that they make how they vote with their dollar is a vote for tomorrow for our future and for our planet and we've got to keep these conversations going which is why I love this platform which is why I love what you guys are about you know, yeah, I'm so stoked I mean, again that you're here you know just to go the other way and i think that in fairness to americans like you said the the sheep looking for shepherd in fairness like we've been duped by big corporate food right and you've been conditioned since the 1950s to consume marketing and consume and be kind of taught what you're going to buy and and that has mystified the whole food system right i mean it's been like it's magic. Like your food doesn't come from a farm. It comes from a magical wizard that, that yeah. produces your Cheetos and bags and makes them appear in the grocery store magically. And, and uh, you don't need to know what any of those nine letter words are because we got you. Like, trust us, we're, you're good. I mean, it's all safe probably. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, that, that part. And it, it's, it's fascinating because I always say, like, it, it's been really funny. You've been doing this a while. I've been doing this a while pre-internet. And, you know, when the whole age of transparency and the age of information and the fact that we all have, like, the ultimate encyclopedias in our hands at all times happen, I, would, I was telling people in the 2000s, like, we're the natural and organics industry is in the perfect place because we've always been about transparency. We've always been yeah. about like pulling back the layers and talking about where food really comes from and talking about the ingredients that are in food and, and in products. And so the age of transparency is so well served for, for us, um, for yeah. those of us who evangelize this because there is nothing to hide. And, you know, even in those gotcha moments, you know, you yeah. hear about organic fraud, you hear about all these different things. Um, there's always going to be bad actors, but I would say as a general rule, the majority of the people doing what we're doing and, and our suppliers and our farmers that we work with have extremely good intentions and are here to mm-hmm. better the planet. And um, like you said, continue the dialogue, evolve the dialogue. No one knows. No one has all the answers. 
Um, no one knows everything right now, but we'll continue to improve upon that and continue to talk to each other as people and, and try yeah. to make a better world for our kids. And um, it's, it's something that uh, I talk to my kids all, all the time about is just, hey, like, we're not here just to make a product in a, in a container. We're here to actually impact the lives of people and, and hopefully make a better life through products, which right. Sounds well, you're, helping, you're, you're giving people choices, and I think that's what's really important. I think that we need to be able to, you know, we, we want retailers to do the heavy lifting for us. That's kind of the mantra. We do, you know, if they sell it, it's fine. And I think we've got a little complacent in that. And I think that when you take a look at the snack business, I mean, you want to go deep. Look, look at farm policy that created a snack food business, right? Uh, because of corn. I mean, it, you know, you, you, we can go down and ra- we, can go, we can go deep down the rabbit hole, which I don't really want to do. But nonetheless, it's like, if we want to make a change, we have to invest in change, which means we have to get wise, we have to learn, we have to listen, we have to ask more questions, and we have to start believing in products as you do and as Thrive sells and Thrive provides customers that are making a difference, right? I mean, the only way we're going to make a difference is to start, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so I just, you know, I commend you. Thank you for going down the rabbit hole. I took you deep on that one. I loved it. It was awesome. No, I mean, it's, answer. it's funny because I mentioned earlier, our members keep us honest. And they're asking yeah. questions every single day. I'll probably get back when we're done here. I'll probably get online and find a question for a member. And um, the thing I always say is like, number one, thank you. Thanks for being a member. Thanks for asking the tough questions. Thanks for helping us get right better. Number two, and this goes to your point you were just making, like, please make sure you're asking the same of our competitors, of other brands, of mass market CPG brands. Like, Please hold us to that standard, but please go back and ask, and ask big CPG brands and all these other retailers the same questions and push mm-hmm. them because they have the buying power. They have the, the ability to create seismic change, even on a broader scale than we can as little right. thrive market. But do it. I mean, because you're voting with your dollar and you're also voicing a concern about what they're doing or not doing. And for better or worse, they have even greater power than we have right now. So please hold them accountable, go back yeah. and ask those same questions so that we all continue to get better because that's where the real, the real impact happens, not just us doing the good work, but the folks doing the bad stuff, getting weeded out and getting challenged and, and being forced to improve. So. Well, you know, it, yes, 100% agree with you, but you know, you go to a doctor and you have something, the doctor says, you know, you've got X, Y, and Z. And you dive in and you research, well, is X, how's it going to do? What do I need to do? How am I going to blah, blah, blah? But we go to the grocery store. We don't really think like that. Right. And I think that there's that, it's like all of a sudden it becomes a see in your face from the doctor. You've got to deal with it as opposed to like what you're doing every day, what you're putting into your body every day is going to be a part of that doctor visit eventually. Right. So I think it's just really important that we continue this conversation. Again, I love the platform you created to do that. A couple of things I want to touch on really quick because I don't want to forget because I think it's important. It's relevant to where we are. One of which you guys are carbon neutral with your shipping. You're a zero waste warehouse. You know, everything's recyclable, compostable, packaging, the whole nine yards. I don't need to get deep about that because I know that you guys, you know, have a mantra. I think it's what better for you, better, better for you and the planet. I think it's what you guys is what you guys have with that. And I think it's just really important to say again. When we're talking to specifically, we've been really deep on the food subject, but it goes beyond that as well, right? It goes beyond, you know, if we want better recycling technology, right? If we if we want cities to only recycle 30% of what they're picking up in those those cans every week, right? Because that's all they're basically doing. Most of it doesn't get and nothing happens to it, right? Um, 
We've got to start to invest in these technologies like you're doing and these different things that are out there to get it to scale so we can get it mass produced, so we can get it into that system. So if you want to, you know, just briefly, just if you want to touch on those kind of three points and what that means and why it's important to you to be great, but I think it does yeah, kind no, of I mean, brings us full circle. This episode of Todd Versations is brought to you by Maryfield. Better for you brands. Always rewarding. Find out how you can save time and be rewarded as you shop with Maryfield.com. Kind of goes back to what I was touching on earlier. We really try to be mindful of all the impacts we're having. And so right. for us, it wasn't good enough to just say, oh, well, all the products we sell and you know, all the sourcing we do is great. But, you know, however we get it to you, don't don't worry about that. And so we've really doubled down on all the packing materials. I keep looking at our box behind me there um, and everything being completely plastic free, all recyclable, uh, high PCR content, all of our fulfillment centers being zero waste. Um, and, and that's hard, by the way. Uh, just yeah, it is. Those of you don't know, we spend we have whole teams of people that are focused on that and ensuring that we don't generate waste out of our FCs and, and that we make sure, you know, that we're donating any food, that we're doing, we're eliminating any potential waste output. And, um, and then we've also worked on plastic neutrality. So we set a goal of 2023 for plastic neutrality. And so we're carrying that over, um, starting with our own brand, because that's obviously the easiest. We have the most control there. Um, and then moving over into third-party brands. But for us, you know, packaging is a bit of a plague, right? Like for the yeah. world. Um, and it's a challenge. And it's something that, you know, uh, I'm a big believer. I've done a ton of work on this subject over my career. But I'm a big believer that you do have to start with the product inside. Uh, the product inside has to be something people want, need, want to pay money for. Um, sure. need in their life. And from there, then you kind of reverse engineer the outside because number one, you know, you have to have food safety. So if the product isn't safe for, right. for people, um, it can be the most eco-friendly packaging in the world. But if it's making people sick, uh, that's not, not so much. So, so you start there and then you reverse engineer and, and is it biodegradable? Is it compostable? Those are kind of the gold standards. Um, I think edible in the future, right? The more we can yeah. be edible. Um, and then nutritive for the soil, this concept of regenerative packaging, which I'm, I really have a lot of passion behind. It's like, if you're not able to eat it, can you at least throw it in the backyard and have it actually feed the microbiome and create right. um, a healthier backyard, a healthier farm, a healthier environment? And so these are all conversations that we're having both with our own brand and, and with third-party brands to continue to move the needle forward and continue to have an impact. Um, but it's the other thing I would say that people forget about two things. One, we have a no air shipping policy. And like, so we get a lot of feedback from our members. Like, why can't I get my order faster? If I get it from Amazon, it's there the next day. I'll yeah, yeah. get it the same day. And we're going, yeah, well, that's because they're using air shipment and the carbon impact of shipping things on planes around the country is massive. I mean, it's one of yeah. the greatest greenhouse gas contributors and it's such a big impact that it's something our our investors and leadership team has said from day one, like we just can't justify that impact to save somebody a day to get their box of groceries. Like it, it's not worth it for the planet. And the other thing I would say is 
if you think about just the model itself, this is something I have a lot of energy. It's not on the script, um, but I have a lot of energy for, which is just this idea that one truck driving around the neighborhood delivering 50 homes groceries is a lot mm -hmm. better than you getting in your car and going to the grocery store, going to five grocery stores and everybody in your neighborhood doing that too. So there's this baked in reduction. But sure. We saw it. We saw it with the pandemic and we saw it when people started staying home more um, that, you know, waterways got cleaner, the air got cleaner, the carbon impact was lower. And it's, it's kind of common sense, but we don't want to accept it because we all love traveling and we love going places and we love seeing right. stores. But the reality is, is that having your, your groceries delivered on a truck with 20, 20 other people in your neighborhood on yeah. one truck is way more lower yeah. than, than driving. But I, I can remember being a kid. My grandmother would uh, jump in her big old V8 car and she'd go to one store for eggs. She'd go to another store for milk. She'd go to, I mean, it was just like, it doesn't work anymore. We got to get away from it. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah it's back to that idea that like, we've always done it this way, so we should do it this way. Yeah. And, and we get attached. We like doing things a certain way. We, you know, this is what I like to do. I'm going to do it my way. And um, but I mean, you know, I think thinking that we're part of a bigger collective of humans. Absolutely. So on the one planet we get, um, we, don't, yeah. we don't get another one if we if we mess this one up, which we've already done a pretty good job of. Um, but now we're working at it. We're working we can, at it. We can change it and we can turn it around and we just have to want to do it and we have to change behaviors and for sure be mindful. And, but you know, I'm also a big advocate and you've been so generous appreciating what we're doing at Thrive, but I'm a big advocate of it has to work for the customer. Like it has to be convenient. Yeah. It has to be affordably priced. You can't ask for dramatic behavioral change um for how people do everything it has to meet them where they're at and um so we try our best to bridge those gaps with our members and and um i will say like on a funny note i mentioned earlier we get a lot of commentary on social media we get a lot of criticism uh, we also have like some of the most passionate defenders who really get what we're doing and yeah. inevitably if there's a criticism in a social media post or something there's five people going, you don't understand what Thrive's doing. Let it, let me tell you why they don't airship. And, you know, and it's Love not it. us. It's not, a, I promise you, it's yeah. not us feeding it. We're just like, oh, thank you. That member just jumped in and totally explained the whole thing to this other person that isn't even a member and was criticizing us. That's so cool. We have I the best it. members. <laughs> so. Dude, that's all. Yeah, I love it. But, you know, again, people are passionate. It's a morals and values. Today. They want to connect. They want to make a difference. They want to vote with their dollars. And that's exactly what this is about. Totally. That being said, you've got a couple of programs I want to touch on a little bit that I think people should know about. And, uh, you know, I'm going to throw them out there. You tech, whichever one you want to tackle with. First one is is you partnered with Food Corps and you partnered with another group called Baby to Babies. And can you just talk about, the, you know, you pick which other one you want to start with and just touch on each of them for me, please. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's part of our Food Equality Now Fund. So we're really yeah. passionate about, again, broadening access and um, we've seen, I mean, the pandemic has really shone a light, shone a light on it too. Just this discrepancy in wealth and accessibility and food equality. And, um, so for us, you know, again, blessing or curse, I don't know, but when we hear a problem or when something's raised to us, um, mm -hmm. we just can't sit on our hands. We, we want to immediately activate. So we have really doubled down and, and set this goal of reaching $10 million of healthy groceries 
um, delivered to communities by 2025. And so uh, for us, it was essential to find a great NGO partner and, and really, or partners, I should say, to help us really reach the people who need it the most. Um, right. so Food Corp was a great partner for that. Um, again, like we, we wear our hearts on our sleeves and we're very passionate. We also never claim to have all the answers. So we, we know there's people working in communities that have way more awareness and way more wherewithal um, than for, sure. for certain topics. So um, on the Food Corp side, that was that. Baby to Baby has been a long-term partner of ours in the LA area, which is where our corporate headquarters is based. Um, and again, it's this fundamental concept of starting with families and starting with children who need nourishment and need healthy food the most. Um, you've kind of alluded to it during this interview. It's like, if we, if we start with the communities that need it the most, everyone flourishes and there's this building yeah. on, you know, healthier children means a healthier world for all of us. And um, how do we impact that? Well, you know, young mothers and families is the immediate place you can have the greatest impact. And as we know, like heart disease and diabetes and all these conditions that plague America uh, are largely diet related. There's some genetic, yeah. factors, but it's largely the types of food you're eating. Um, in, in the case of diabetes and, and obesity, it's, it's high sugar foods, low nutritive value, lots of calories. And they happen to be, and you alluded to it earlier, the cheapest and not yeah. by accident. So how do we reverse those trends? How do we actually get healthier food in the hands of the people who truly need it the most and then build upon that as we as we have outreach around the country so those two organizations were just no-brainers for us to start with I love it. and um, and continue to find that out i mean as we continue to grow um, we have the unique vantage point of being a national retailer which we're so we're literally everywhere and yeah uh, so we try to mobilize um, as much as we can in all the communities we serve, which is the whole the whole country. So that's why awesome. I mentioned earlier, you'll see us show up whenever there's a natural disaster, whether it was the fires in California or the hurricanes along the Gulf. Um, we're sending truckloads of food, groceries, water, diapers uh, to literally everywhere. We even sent some to Puerto Rico um, during the earthquake and, and some of the challenges they've had. So it's... Uh, we just can't, we're do-gooders. We can't not help. So, um, but, but that's a part of it, man. That's a part of this, but it's a part of the whole thing we've been talking about, right? It's about that uplift. We've got to uplift the global community if we want to change this place, um, right? I mean, look, when the aliens come down and we're not ready to be nice to them, they're going to kick our ass. And so we might as well start working together to get nice, right? It's a hell of a, hey, it's a hell of a lot easier to be nice to people than it is to be mean, <laughs> right? There's so much more benefit to it. And you know, it's funny, I, I was just talking to my wife about this yesterday and, and uh, like everyone, like life, every day is not this perfect rosy picture. So I, I get frustrated, we all get frustrated, but I was telling her, she asked me how I was dealing with the situation that she knew was making me angry. And she said, what did you say? Or what are you gonna say or whatever? And I said, you know, I know what I won't do. I'm not gonna come in yelling and cursing and being angry because at the end of the day, I've never seen that lead to a good outcome. No. <laughs> so all my years, uh, I've never seen someone being angry and screaming and yelling lead to something positive happening. And, and no. 
more importantly, like for me anyway, on a selfish level, if I ever do get to that place, which is very rare, I end up feeling so bad later. Like I feel so yeah. bad inside. I'm shaking and I feel horrible. And so you just go like kindness is where it's at. And, and you know, I also have that mantra with my children. They go, so-and-so is in such a bad mood today. I said, oh, did you give them a hug? Did you help them? Yeah. Did you tell them? Did you ask them why? What was wrong? Because they probably were having a really ter- terrible time. Yeah, well, you need to invest in each other. Yeah, we yeah. don't know. You never know what someone else is living through in that moment. And nope. Kindness always wins. So. I 100% agree. Something you touched on earlier, and I don't want to forget it, and I've been holding it in the back of my feeble mind the entire time, is I want you to just a little bit, uh, if you wouldn't mind explaining a little deeper, you're sharing about free membership to folks in need, because I think this is super special. And I, I want to give this direct and uh, its own props, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you. I, we always appreciate it. You know, it's kind of funny because we are a mission-driven company. And right. we're, we're doing so many things that oftentimes we just jump in and start talking. And then we like, oh, we forgot to talk about our core mission, which is what we do every day. Uh, we take it for granted. But um, as I mentioned, we're a club model. So it's a $60 annual membership fee, or you can pay $5 a month, whichever you want. Um, to join and then you have access to it's close to six thousand products now so it's all non-perishable groceries right. it's all health and beauty it's home products it's frozen we now ship frozen foods it's wine healthy and clean sustainable wine um, so all of those products you have access to at really amazing pricing and when you join we automatically give away a free membership to a lower income family teacher military veteran or first responder so yeah. um, we don't want folks who can't afford a membership to not be able to join or not have access to the same products and the same great prices and and all of that so um that's something that every paid member we now have over a million paid members um, so every time we give away a free membership and again, we work with a lot of NGOs to find the right, right communities. We don't just, you know, pass out flyers on the street to people who want free memberships. We really try to find, and we also have through our thrive gives, and you can see on our website, there's a get your thrive gives membership. We just have a basic questionnaire. It's not invasive. It's nothing too intrusive, mostly just to make sure you're not a bot or someone trying to right. get 20 free memberships. Um, but we try to make it really easy and painless and not embarrassing or, you know, no sure. for anybody to get their free membership if, if they need one. And I will tell you, we, it's probably one of the most rewarding things we do because, um, we obviously like the most of the rest of the world, we've been remote for the last year and a half, but in our office, we do have an office in, uh, Marina Del Rey and on the walls, we have. I call them the love letters. We have all the love letters that we've received from Thrive Gives members and um, just expressing gratitude and talking about how, you know, um, they couldn't afford to purchase these products or they geographically were isolated and couldn't get healthy products or their son or daughter was diagnosed with celiac and they needed gluten-free products or right. um, they went plant-based because of a heart condition and they needed access to plant-based products and the gives membership has like literally saved their life or given them access to, to products and healthy, healthy products that they never would have uh, had access to. That's awesome. So incredibly rewarding. And also just like at the core of everything we do is our gives members. And 
Um, and also the other funny thing or beautiful thing I should say is we get so many Gives members who say, I couldn't afford a membership. You guys gave me a Gives membership. I got a job and now I want to buy a membership so that I make sure someone else gets a membership. And like those are, those almost make me cry because I'm yeah. just, oh, that is so what we're trying to do here. Like that right. is so incredible and um, it's just truly amazing. And um, so we'll continue that in perpetuity. I love it. I love it. And you mentioned really quick, and I just I want to get it out there. Is you guys are a certified B Corp now, and that's a that's that's that is not just deciding one morning to be a certified B Corp. A little bit of effort goes into that, but it says a lot about your team. And so, if you wouldn't mind, because I think it's worth elevating, if you wouldn't mind just touching on that briefly about what that meant, why it's so important, and 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 how that really does involve everybody that's uh, that works for you guys. Yeah, it, it like thank you for saying that number one, and and thanks for pointing out that it's not easy. No. <laughs> yeah, I think it was about over a year in the works of just going through all mm-hmm. the auditing, all the audit processes, verification. Right. I mean, um, for those of you who don't know, B Corp just stands for Benefit Corporation, and it's right. a type of corporate entity that your business can become if you are doing um, good work in the planet, and you can check out. Um, B Corp's website, there's literally hundreds of B Corps that span everything from making flooring to, to grocery. Yeah. And we became the largest online grocer to become B Corp certified. And um, it is quite a rigorous process of going through a lot of the things we've been talking about today, all the good, yeah. good stuff we work on and do and yeah. believe in and stand for, proving that we do that and just really verifying every step of our process to show we're actually doing the things we say we're doing and we have the audits to back that up. We have the paper trust to back that up. We have all the information to back that up and including everything down to our facilities, our office buildings are not just being zero waste in terms of shipping products to our members, but actually being zero waste in our offices and um, all of our people being paid fairly and equitably and not being forced to work overtime, all these things that we kind of take for granted, but that if you're not a B Corp, you don't technically have to prove that. You can say it, Uh, but being a B Corp just elevates that status and really brings ability to, so it's, it's amazing. And you, you touched on it, but um, we have, gosh, close to 500, I think it is now, my team may correct me, but um, thrivers working through the whole network and it's like that's all of our fulfillment centers all of our member service teams all of our office teams that do everything from the design work to the social media to our merchandising team that finds all the products and suppliers and literally everyone has to be walking in lockstep with our b corp criteria and so it's something that you sign up for when you sign up to work at Thrive Market. And right. um, it's it's a tribute to everyone across the org because you have to uphold it every day. There's no, you don't take a day yeah. out, right? You're, no, you don't, you're right. And you're wearing your, you know, again, it's on your sleeve. Yep. It's out there to be, you know. So you, you know. This is what we yeah. do. We don't cut corners. It. We don't, there's no cheating. You got to do it this way every time. So I love it. I absolutely love it. Let me ask you another quick question what inspires you because you're a pretty inspirational guy i mean you 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 tell you speak from the heart you this is not your first rodeo you've had these feelings inside you you've cultivated your ideas and your beliefs over time you've seen the positivity of those ideals and beliefs 
Um, and you've seen the negativity of, of going the opposite direction too. And I know that's not where you're heading in your life, but what inspires you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a good question. And, um, and I'm a true, not to go too deep here down the rabbit hole, but I'm a true believer in karma and just energy of doing good. And it comes back to you. And, um, so for me, it's been this kind of recognition of, I don't want to leave a footprint. There's a, when you hike, I've, I, I've mentioned earlier, I spent some time in Colorado and I was always growing up in New Jersey, not an outdoorsy kind of place. I mean, I spent time surfing at the beach, but I wasn't really hiking or spending time in the woods. Right. And you move to Colorado and you're on the trail and there's the signs, leave no trace or leave it better than you found it. Don't leave your trash behind. Don't, you know, right. litter. don't do those things. And it just really struck a chord with me around how I try to live my life. It's like, let's not leave an impact. Let's leave it better than we found it. And let's keep that positivity and that positive energy going. And then, you know, you fast forward, I'm, I'm a father, as you mentioned, I actually have four daughters and they became, Dude, yeah. you're a man, four daughters. Yeah. Yeah. So, so oh, let me know. Let, let me know when the drinking problem starts. <laughs> yeah, uh, water. It's my my joint. But uh, no, but I mean, it's it's uh, that's a whole nother level of inspiration. Like we touched sure. on earlier, you mentioned it too with your kids, and like you feel at least for me, it went from I'm doing this for me. I, I want to make a better world. I want to support others. I want my positivity to be coming back to me. Yeah. To, now I have a responsibility to leave this world better than I found it for them and right on. Um, and leave a trail of goodness behind so yeah. that, you know, hopefully they get to pick from those trees of the seeds we planted and really get to, and, you know, that's one angle. Other one is like, not to go in a different direction here, but we're in pretty dire straits. Like, like we got to turn this shit around. Like, yeah, we do it now. I mean, we can't. Right. You know, like, I don't want my grandkids to say, like, why didn't they do anything? Like, right. Well, what the hell were they doing? Like, why did they right. just let this happen? And so I've even talked to my kids openly about that. I'm like, I hope in your own way you follow in our footsteps because my wife does this work too. Um, I'm super right. fortunate. I hope you, and you don't have to be in the natural products community. You can, you know, go out and be an environmental scientist or go out and just impact the world. And, and one of my kids wants to be a doctor. I'm like, great, go, you know, cure people, help people have a positive impact so that the world becomes a better place when, when, when you're gone. And um, yeah. that, that really now is what inspires me. Whereas I love it. It's probably it's a great answer. You know, that's a great answer. So I got to ask this one because you got the you got the board behind you. I got a buddy of mine down in Peru who calls it the magic board. So I'm going to ask, what's the best place you've ever served? Oh wow! That's... And don't say New don't say New Jersey because that's just completely full of shit. No, but I mean, but we're underrated in New Jersey. I will say, I'm sure uh, I'm sure you are. There's some uh, really yeah. high quality waves, especially on those nor nor'easters and ground swells. But um, gosh, best place ever. Pro you know, I'm a huge lover of Costa Rica. Um, I just, I love beach breaks. Um, so I love just, um, the vibe down there and the waves, like there's always surf and you're just in, 
in baggies and you're not, um, you know, the weather's perfect and there's rainbows and mountains. And um, I've definitely, my surfing has become more just grateful to be in the ocean, grateful to be out there. And so for me, just the waves are one thing, but just being able to look down the beach and see jungle and a rainbow yeah. every now and then, or, or some pelicans or some, uh, some stingrays jumping up. I'm like, okay, even if the waves yeah. are terrible, look where I am. I'm, I'm it's so, a good mental reset. Yeah, probably I probably could, that Pura Vida down in Costa Rica. Yeah. I love it. So I got another quick question for you. Just a little trivia. I want to throw it at you. If you can go anywhere in time, where would you go right now? Oh, wow. Forwards or backwards? Either way, forwards or backwards. Wow, that is such a good, good one. Um, wow, I have to really think on that one. I mean, if I'm being totally transparent, this will probably disappoint everyone. I would say probably selfishly as a parent, I would probably go forward um, just to kind of see how it works out up and how they are. Yeah. And, I probably just go like a hundred years. I probably wouldn't even go that far. And I just be really curious and it might be heartbreaking or it might be the best thing ever. Um, but I think just the love that I have for my children and like, it's something I say gratitude for every day. Like just, uh, I would have to know if you gave me that opportunity, I'd have to go like, okay, I've got to do that. Me too. That's me too. Yeah. I, two reasons. One of which you point, I want to see the, you know, I want to see how they're, you know, what happens for them. But in the same token, I look at it like, okay, how bad did we actually screw this up or could we get it fixed? Yeah. Right. Okay. So there's part of that for me. I got to tell you, man, you have been incredibly generous with your, with your heart, with your time, with this conversation, with, you know, the transparency of sharing, you know, Thrive Market. It's, you know, it, it's a business that comes from the heart. I think we've done a good job of explaining that to people. I hope people get some, get fed back from this experience and from this time hanging out together. Um, and and take that moment of pause and recognize that they can make a difference and they should make a difference. And you don't really just need to think that you want to. And there's things out here in this world that will allow you to do that. And if you give me just, just one more question and one more minute of your time, um, which I'm sure I'm going to get yelled at for taking all your time, but I don't care. I'll say, you know, I don't mind. Um, my final question would be this to you. I mean, you have blazed a, a, a pretty cool trail. Um, You've done some neat things. You've been a part and around a lot of really cool people, you know, whether it be from standards, um, you know, making brands, you know, not, I don't want to say putting demands on brands to be better, but having a conversation about being better. Um, if you could just give one piece of advice to an emerging brand today, what would it be? I would say stand for something, you know, like identify wow. the change you want to make in the world and, and be that change. Because I think it's become, you know, we use that word table stakes. It's become table stakes, but it's just so important. And not just for the change you'll have and the impact you'll have in the world, but for your own health and your own mental health and your own passion, like starting a business, starting a brand, it's really hard. Like it's not yeah. everyone thinks like, oh, being an entrepreneur is great. Like it's you get your not own for boss, the faint of heart. You know, yeah. And so you, if you don't have that passion and that deeper meaning behind what you're doing, it's very easy to fizzle out and very easy to burn out and just become frustrated and bitter and resentful. And so I mean, I think finding what you stand for and really leaning into it and creating that change. Um, you've, you've said it so eloquently here today many times, but it's like the future is ours if we take it and 
um, folks, people, humans supporting each other and doing it with your brand or with your product that solves a problem that you really have passion for. Yeah. It doesn't get much better because you're going to do the work anyway. So it might as well right. be creating some positive change and being for something meaningful. That's such a great answer. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate this conversation. I appreciate what you're about. Um, I wish you guys nothing but success. I hope that uh, we, I hope we blow up your server. That's my goal. Um, yeah, you. absolutely. I'm pleased. I'd love to have you come back. I mean, I, there's plenty more that we can talk about. I know, and I'd love to have you come back and, and really, you know, what's next for thrive and get into that and where you guys are heading, what's going to go on. What's, what's the rest of 2022 going to look like. And, uh, we're just thrilled that you took the time to hang with me, brother. I really appreciate you. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks so much for having me and, and indulging all these conversations and for the work you're doing too. And congrats on all your success and thank you. Keep having these great conversations and keep pushing the envelope and creating change from your platform too. So thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks everybody for swinging by and checking us out. We're here. We're doing this. We want to make this happen. These conversations need to happen. You need to get behind these folks that are doing things just like Jeremiah is doing what Drive is doing. Um, It's how we're going to win the day. You know, I say it all the time. We got to go out and inspire people. And it's so simple to do. And I hope this conversation inspired you. But inspiring somebody is just as easy as saying hello. And uh, it starts there. And from there, we can all build. So, you know, thank you again for participating in conversations. Thanks for liking and subscribing the messages and suggestions. We're thrilled with what we got coming for you the rest of the year. Take care of each other. Keep smiling. Keep inspiring. Thrive Market. Go check them out. They're worthwhile. Thanks to everybody for being here. We appreciate you. See you soon.